Podcast Answer Man, episode number 241. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to that next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for many years, or you haven't yet recorded that first episode. There's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. Okay, and sometimes taking the show to the next level is actually hitting the record button and trying the intro a third time until you get it right. You know, it, it, it all it all works out in the end. Hey folks, I am so delighted to have you here listening to this episode. I know that there's a possibility that uh, you could be listening to this four months after I record it, but uh, here in the studio, it is Thursday, December 22nd, 2011, and I do want to wish each and every one of you a very Merry Christmas and hope that you have a great celebration uh, with uh, all those who you can celebrate it with. Well, my friends, we have an interesting show lined up for you here today. I have yet another Where Are They Now interview to share with you. This time, we're going to be talking to Todd Clift who is from MoonstoneSellers.com. Todd actually has a winery in California, and we're going to learn about how he's using podcasting to uh, basically boost his customer uh, relationships and also retention. Uh, I think it's a fun interview. Just got finished editing it just a few moments ago. So it's going to be a, I I think there's going to be a lot of valuable points there. And I'll even try to highlight some of those in the show notes over at podcastanswerman.com here for episode 241. Also got a few questions we're going to be covering here today. Uh, Let's see if I can tell you what they are real fast. Mark wants to know what's going on with my iPad. Uh, You know, how am I using that these days? Michael wants to know, uh, if you can, if you can do more than one show with Libsyn uh, without paying for additional accounts, how do you do that? And then, of course, um, Gordon has a question here from. Then, of course, then Gordon, not of course, edit that out in post production. Not going to happen. Anyway, Gordon has a question about feed validation. So uh, those are the kind of things we're going to be covering in this episode. Real quickly here, I just want to throw out a quick um, little personal word for myself uh, to promote one of my affiliate accounts, Bluehost Hosting. I haven't done this ever before, and I might do it on a regular basis, but um, if you guys are out there and you're thinking about creating a podcast, I really recommend that you do it on WordPress, and if you haven't yet created your own hosting account it's really a piece of cake. It's not that difficult at all. And if you sign up for Bluehost, you're looking at, I think it's right around six or seven bucks a month. If you go to podcastanswerman.com and then click on the resources tab, there's a link there that you can click on. If you do that, I get a pretty generous commission on the sign up of a Bluehost account. So, um, and then of course, there's also learnhowtopodcast.com that will give you a free tutorial on the basic foundations of podcasting. And if you want to take it a step further and learn how to take all of the things you learned on learnhowtopodcast.com, then uh, go over to the um, 
uh, basically go to podcastanswerman.com, click on uh, products, and there is a WordPress for podcasters tutorial there. Now, that one is a paid tutorial, but here's the cool thing. If you get the WordPress for podcasters tutorial, it shows you step by step how to set up a WordPress podcast using Bluehost. Even if you've never had a hosting account before, you've never even registered a domain before, it actually takes somebody who had none of that stuff. We took his, we registered a domain, set up his Bluehost hosting account, and installed WordPress, configured it, and had it all submitted all within 90 minutes. So again, WordPress for podcasters and Bluehost hosting. It is a perfect way to get started into this world of podcasting. All right, we're going to now tune into our very first question of the day, and we're going to let that be, let's go with Gordon. Hi, Cliff. Gordon Firemark here from the Entertainment Law Update podcast with a question for the podcast answer man. Today, I discovered that my latest podcast episode wasn't showing up in iTunes. When I went to look, it wasn't showing up in my feed burner feed either. I spent a bit of time poking around, experimenting, and I finally seem to have got the feed working. That is, iTunes is now carrying the, 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 the episode. But the FeedBurner feed validator still throws an error message at me. I've attached a screenshot of that message for you to take a look at. It seems that something is putting invalid character strings into my feed. It looks sort of like a HTML closing tag for the URL indicator in the feed. I'm just wondering if you have any idea why this might be happening and what I could do to correct it. As far as I can tell, the only plugin I use that does anything to the RSS feed is the PowerPress plugin from Blueberry. So any light you can shed on this will be very welcome. Thanks for everything you do. All right, Gordon, thank you for the question. And uh, the cool thing is, is that I know that he's already got everything all squared away. He had emailed this to me earlier and I had gotten this and I, I knew it would be a couple weeks before I finally got around to answering this question for him. And so I, I went ahead and answered it. But here's the, here's the thing you need to know about those feed validator tools. As long as your RSS feed, when you send it over to FeedBurner uh, and, and, and you get it all set up and you hit, matter of fact, this is what you should do. Once you have everything set up, go over to the FeedBurner account, click on the feed, go to the Troubleshootize tab. And then if you scroll down, there's a button that says Resync Now. Click that button. If it turns green at the top, then everything is fine. All right. If it doesn't turn green at the top, um, chances are you've probably got something else going on on this on the side of WordPress. Usually, it has something to do with the size of the original XML file, um, or something else is going terribly wrong, or perhaps maybe you don't have anything in the RSS, you know, in that category that you're pulling the RSS for, feed from. But most of the times, this is not an issue. However, I can tell you this, Gordon. I would say that if you were to take Okay, out of all the different RSS feeds that I personally have uh, for gspn.tv, for podcastanswerman.com, virtualassistantpodcast.com, any of any of the feeds that I have, and if you run them through that FeedBurner feed or the feed validation tool that FeedBurner links to, if you run my feeds through those, every single one of them are going to report errors. They all have some kind of miscellaneous character or something like that. I think that's oftentimes happening from, you know, different plugins that we have installed that is putting, you know, different code here and there inside of our WordPress installations. But to be honest with you, none of that really matters as long as FeedBurner is able to pull the information from the original feed and burn you a new feed that will work in iTunes. 
that will work in other podcatchers, that is perfectly fine. It doesn't matter if there's a stray little HTML tag here or there. It's not going to affect anything at all. Uh, I would assume that maybe there is a very rare case where something might be wrong and it'll in a and it's causing you to have issues but but if you get a green light if you get the green stripe at the top saying that your feed has been successfully synced then then you're perfectly fine don't even worry about it and i happen to know and have confirmed with gordon that when he uh basically resyncs under the triple shoe ties tab it does turn green yes the feed valid tool is showing you that it's not exactly according to their quote-unquote specs but as long as it's working and you know you really don't need to go in and troubleshoot that stuff any further um, so I know that worked for Gordon and if anybody else running into that issue you've looked at feed burner uh, or the feed validation tools out there and they're telling you you've got all kinds of stuff in your in your feed that's wrong as long as it's submitting your episodes or as long as it's sending your episodes out to all the podcatchers that's really all that matters. All right. Uh, and let's see here. The next one we have is a question from, I'm trying to look here real quick. I think it is, well, I don't have it right here. There were three. I had them before. Let's see here. Michael. Uh, Michael has a question. Oh, yeah, here it is. Michael has a question about more than one account with Lis, uh, Lipson or more than one show. Hello, Cliff. This is Michael Corley from the Box in a Box podcast. Uh, in one of your earlier shows, you had mentioned to uh, another caller that it is possible to have more than one show uh, going through the same Libsyn account without requiring you to create another account. Uh, my question is, how do you have to label or, in other words, designate the two different things so that even though they're on the same feed, or not feed, but you know, on the same account, uh, they go out accordingly uh, to the different places. Uh, I hope that is clear what I'm what I'm asking, and uh, I very much appreciate your help. And have a wonderful day. All righty, thank you so much, Michael, for the question. Um, and I, I, you know what, I've answered this in the past, but I can't find easily where I I tucked that one away. What episode that was in? So here it is again, and I I have no problem readdressing questions, especially when it's been such a long time since I've listen to them. It's not my expectation that you're going to go back and listen to all prior 240 episodes, although some people do. But uh, I, I certainly don't mind these questions coming up from time to time. So here's here's the answer to this question. First and foremost, yes, I do promote Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com quite a bit. And that stands for Liberated Syndication. And when you set up an account with them, um, there's the possibility that they can take care and do everything for you. Your website, your RSS feed. I mean, they can handle it all. Um, the only thing is, is I recommend that you don't do that. Um, I, I, I'm, I believe in having your own WordPress installation on a self-hosted hosting account and uh, creating you know, all of that and having your home on the web that you own, that you control, that you can do pretty much anything you want to do with that WordPress installation with zero limits almost, almost no limits. So so I really do advocate for using uh, your own self-hosted site and simply using Libsyn as a media host. This All that means is that they're you're uploading a file and that and it's sitting on their computers ready to deliver out to the world and all they're all you're getting from them is simply a link a URL of where that file exists 
so that you can put that into the plugin or your enclosure on your WordPress site. And basically it just says, hey everybody, here's a new episode, and by the way, here's where it's located on the internet. And that's happening all inside of the RSS feed. And it's just simply pointing people to Libsyn and then Libsyn gets the request and sends them the file. That's all we're doing. So as long as you're only using them as a media host, and the only other good thing that I use them for is their stats. Their stats are really cool if you have a program. Uh, plat, uh, yeah, one of the things where it actually gives you the stats that you can look at. But anyway, if you are using them just as uploading files, it doesn't matter what you do. It You upload a file just like anything else. So um, one of the things that I'm very big on is naming all of my files the same. So like for example... Uh, this show right here, I already know, is going to be 241pam-something-related-to-the-title.mp3. So every single episode of Podcast Answer Man starts off with, actually, it's not 241. It actually would be pam241-title.mp3. And if I was recording an episode of Business Tech Weekly, it would be btw you know, three-digit number hyphen title dot dot mp3. If I was doing, you know, authentic life radio for Stephanie, I would it would be alr zero one three hyphen title dot mp3. So all of that would happen. Um, you know, I would actually have all of these things alphabetically uh, organized because what I have is I have is well, currently right now we're producing approximately seven to ten shows a week right now. I have done as many as 20 shows in a single week. And they're all, you know, technically speaking, as long as you can fit it within your upload account, and I have two 1.5 terabyte accounts with Libsyn, but if you had one 1.5 terabyte account and you had seven different shows, you could upload every single one of those MP3 files from all seven shows each week into the same Libsyn account. You don't have to do anything special at all. The only thing you do is you upload the file, you get the link to where that file exists, and then you bring it back to your site. That's all there is to it. Um, now, if you're using Libsyn's website and and you've told people that your the website for your podcast is the website that Libsyn provides for you, this is a whole different scenario. What would happen is if you if you did what I was talking about, your you know, and you had let's just say you had the you know the Vox in a Box podcast. Um, and then all of a sudden you created a second podcast for XYZ, well then the XYZ episodes would show up on the box, Vox in a Box podcast website if it was the Libsyn website you were pointing people to. That's one of the reasons why I recommend that you you know create your Vox in a Box website on WordPress and that way um, you know, you're paying $7 a month for hosting to you know, Bluehost or somebody else like that. And then all of a sudden it's like you create a second website. And if you want it to have its own brand, its own identity, then you do xyz.com, buy that domain, add an add-on domain to your um, your Bluehost account you, and install WordPress again, which by the way, doesn't cost you anything extra except for the domain name. And then, <clears throat> and then, you basically just uh, you know pull those files and 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 submit them you know the URLs and put them into the enclosure in the new WordPress site and it'll pull it all from the same place all from the same account. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Again, if you're if the the only time that this won't work using 
one Lipson account for multiple shows is if you're using their RSS feed or if you're that they provide or if you're using their website that they provide. If you avoid that, then you don't have to do anything special. Why do I choose to name my files the way that I do? There's a very clear reason for that. And that is for if I do want to go in and I want to see the stats, it is possible for me to pull the stats up and then I can actually do a, I can sort the stats by episode, uh, by the name alphabetically. So I could, by default, it's going to show you the stats by uh, date. It's going to show you with the most recent first and then going backwards. But you can click on the header of the name of the files and it will alphabetically um, sort those. And so because I'm PAM, three-digit number, and I, even if it was like, you know, remember ALR013, that's 13. And what that does is it keeps those things in alphabetical order. So if I go down to the P's and scroll halfway through the list and find Podcast Answer Man, it's very easy for me to see all the Podcast Answer Man episodes all together. Even though, even though in my uh, Libsyn account, I have thousands of episodes of 24 different podcasts, but it's easy for me to go and find the stats for exactly what I'm looking for in the event that I am looking for stats, which to be honest with you, I don't really look at very often. All right, so moving along, we have one more question. This one's coming from Mark and it's related to the iPad. So uh, Mark, take it away. Hello there. This is Mark Batiste from Chicago with a question for the podcast Answer Man. Cliff, uh, in an earlier podcast, I couldn't begin to tell you where, uh, you had mentioned that you had purchased an iPad uh, to help facilitate your whole business there in the studio. Uh, you know, looking at the product myself, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to go ahead and spend the money on it. Uh, so I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about exactly uh, what the different tasks and whatnot that you use the iPad for. Uh, just I'm sure you use it both professionally and personally, but I just kind of like to get an idea of, of how you use that. And have a good one. All right, Mark, thank you very much. Uh, to be honest with you, I very rarely use my iPad at all today. I do have the original iPad. I got it right when it first came out. I did not upgrade to the iPad 2. I didn't think that it had added anything of value that I couldn't do already. Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess it's got the camera, it's got FaceTime, but you know, I've, I've got an iPhone four here that has FaceTime and I very rarely ever use it. Um, so the thing is, is the iPad for me has become less of a business tool and more of a just entertainment tool. In fact, I have the daily, I subscribe to the daily magazine on there and I don't think I've read that in a couple months now. And that was my favorite app on the iPad for a while. Um, I am playing a a game. I bought a game, Flight Control HD, and I, I enjoy playing Flight Control on there. But unfortunately, I'm not using it for, for business purposes really at all. Now, I use a program on my computer here uh, in the studio called Soundbite. It's what I use to queue up all the audio clips. That's how I played your audio clip there, the music at the beginning of the show. And... Um, there is an application, and I'm looking here, and it's called iSoundbite. iSoundbite. And what iSoundbite does is it allows me to pull it up uh, as long as I've gone into the configuration and set up the IP address and, and all of that stuff. I'm able to do this. I can actually click a little button and go... Right there, right from my iPad. 
And that this is this is probably one application that I can still use in my production, and it's actually quite useful. And the reason why this this one application is useful is because my sound clipboard, um, you know, the for the, me to be able to click a button with my mouse, the the actual screen has to be active. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll click play on the music, and then all of a sudden during the show I'm looking something up on a website or doing something else, and the the soundboard is still there, and then all of a sudden I go to press the button, and it doesn't do anything. And because that's because even though I put my mouse pointer right over the button, all I did with the first click was actually make that the most active for, foremost upfront screen on the on the desktop display. And so therefore now I'd have to click that place one more time to now engage the button. I don't know if that made sense to you or not. Hopefully what I'm how I'm explaining that is that, you know, the window has to be active before I can click a button. And and what's cool about the application is I can actually minimize. I don't even have to have the application the foremost in the in the foreground. I don't have to have it even up on the up on the screen. It could be minimized down to my dock. And no matter what, I could always click a button, and, and I can I can I can hit any of these buttons that I want to, and so that's kind of nice. And it, it's basically remote controls my, via Wi-Fi from my iPad to my computer, and gives me the ability to to do. Hi, this is Leo Laporte of This Week in Tech, and you're listening. <laughs> you're smart to Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the podcast answer man. So it gives me the ability to do all of that. That's really the only thing that I use my iPad for business related these days. And I haven't even done that in a long time. Here's the other thing. I I just want to tell you, uh, there is another application, same icon and everything, same company makes it. And the name of that application, I'm looking it up right here. It is called SoundBite. So by the way, the other one's called iSoundBite. the, the the second application I'm telling you about is called Soundbite. It is the same program, only it is not the remote control to the desktop version. It is a paid app. By the way, I think the remote control is free uh, for the desktop version. But anyway, the the other one, this one here is a paid version. It's not a remote control. Instead, it is a soundboard for your iPad. And I know Father Roderick was using this um, for a while. I'm not sure if he still is or not. But one of the things that I did notice with this is that there is a half, maybe even a half a second or even a full second uh, uh, delay from the time I press the button to when the actual sound effects sound effect will actually start playing. And that really drives me crazy. So if I press a button, I, I personally, I expect it to start playing that like the second my finger touches the screen. And that doesn't happen on the SoundBite one, the one that you pay for and that you can install your audio clips on locally. Um, outside of that, no, I'm not using it all that much, that all. Although I will tell you, I did get this recently. I did just buy for the iPhone. Um, oh, what is that? Hold on, Log Me In Ignition. So I just purchased Log Me In Ignition, and it, I think it is a universal app and and if i'm not mistaken it's either 25 or 50 dollars and that allows me to control my computer um from another location pretty easily uh and it's and it's basically remote desktop software so if you've ever heard of like go to my pc or anything like that 
uh, logmein.com, you can set up a free account where it, it makes your computer available to where you can log in from another location. And uh, I, I found that I could actually control my 27-inch iMac from my iPhone from another location using this log me in. And I believe that that's a universal app that would also work on the iPad, would make it even easier to look on that. But um, to, it, I mean, it sounds to me like you're not sure if you want to spend the money, what kind of business purposes are there. Now, here's the situation. There's a lot of people out there with blog posts that tell you about, you know, all the different ways that you can use your iPad in your business. Personally, I I loved my iPad until I got my MacBook Air. Once I got my MacBook Air, my iPad became it became an electronic picture frame. It, it really did, or it became you know a little a little gaming toy toy or something like that. And and I still enjoy my iPad. I really do enjoy my iPad, but not for work. I it's usually all content consumption or just playing around and and things of that nature. So hopefully, Mark, I've answered your question and uh, we'll move forward. All right, so the next thing I've got here for you is our interview for this week. It is with, like I said, Todd uh, Clift from MoonstoneSellers.com and we're gonna learn a little bit about how he's using podcasting in his business. So without any further ado, here's that interview right now. Okay, everybody, I am on the line now with Todd Clift. Todd, thank you so much for coming on and doing a Where Are They Now podcast Answer Man interview. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Clift, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I'll tell you, um, it has been a while since you and I first met. I got a call from you out of the blue. Probably about five or six months ago, you had ordered a Heil microphone and and out of all the clients I've ever had, I just recall like miserably failing in this one <laughs> area. It's like, how can this happen? Oh, that was, uh, I, I got to say, your recovery in that situation was nothing short of amazing. And, um, you know, I have a business and sometimes things don't go as planned. And when they do, I will bend over backwards to make sure that my customers are you know, taken care of and, and left in a better state than when they showed up. And I got to say, um, I really, um, I, th- I think you are uh, an example of what a company should do when something goes wrong. And, and it was nothing that you did either. It just so happened we got a bad batch of products out of Heil. Yeah, it was the Heil PL2T microphone boom arm. And, and it just so happened the spring would not stay sprung. <laughs> That's exactly right. I would find myself uh, starting the beginning of my podcast, sitting in a nice upright position. And by the end of my podcast, I had my chin on the desk. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, <laughs> I certainly do recall that situation like it was yesterday. And, <laughs> and I certainly appreciate your patience in dealing with the scenario. I'm glad we got it all worked out. Uh, just so people know, you're obviously not talking on your Heil right now. Uh, Skype conversations are not typically your forte in your podcast at this moment in time. Is that right? That's correct. And I just recently got everything set up to do that. And you would have been my first Skype call. But, you know, we obviously found a little ground loop program or problem in there. So I'll get that taken care of. We'll we'll figure it out. Well, let's go way back in your story. I want to ask you, when did you first learn about podcasting altogether? Wow, great question. I I want to say I I want to 
boy, we're probably going back to 2001. There was a show on um, public radio that I would like, but it never seemed to be on when I could watch it. So finally, I went to their website, and there they had, they weren't podcasts. They were just, you know, uh, recordings downloadable from their website. And I thought that was cool. And over time, I started realizing more and more shows and, um, Oh, various types of programs were doing this. And then, you know, the iPod came out and they started coining the term podcast. I just kind of knew them as downloads. And um, after a while, I found myself, oh, I would say by about 2005, 2006, when my uh, business forced me to commute a lot. And we live in an area where there's lots of hills. So the radio reception here is very spotty. So I took to listening, uh, downloading, listening to podcasts. So everything from comedy to music to... No, short stories, you name it. Anything to keep me entertained on the road. Did you ditch live radio right away? Well, it was funny because I had to ditch live radio here again because of the reception. And I went to satellite radio for a while, um, but I found that you know their programming lists and things like that actually got a little stale pretty quick. And uh, again, in our area, there was even some places where the satellite radio wouldn't come through because we had some tall trees in the area. So then I just became all in on podcasts. And I would say for the last five, six years, that's about all I listened to in my truck. When was it that you first decided that you wanted to launch your own podcast? Boy, and, and it's, it's a little bit nebulous and it just kind of like grew on me. Um, and it might go back to social media a little bit. Um, I had a... I had a friend who, who uh, he'd only talk on Facebook, and so I started uh, going into to Facebook, and he said, that'd be good for your business, and I started thinking about you know, other things that might be good for the business, and then I got kind of the aha moment that I could do a podcast for the business, and I was enjoying podcasts so much. I'm kind of a techie geek anyway, and I thought, this, this could be really, really cool, so I started seeking out podcasts about podcasts and of course that that pointed me in your direction and I just absolutely I don't know just soaked up every single podcast you've um, you've produced on podcasting and I also got into the virtual assistant podcast as well nice so okay you mentioned that you decided you thought a podcast could help your business what is your business um, I own a winery. I'm a winemaker and we have a, a winery called Moonstone Cellars. So I thought we could do something about wine, something educational because wine is so mysterious to so many people. Excellent. And of course, the name of the podcast here is Wine Word of the Day. Is that right? You got it. All right. One of the things that I noticed when we got on the phone today is that uh, when you had told me about your podcast, you said, you know, what you do is you go to moonstonecellars.com. And then uh, it's forward slash WWD. Now, one of the things that I just did as we were talking here, I went to GoDaddy.com and I want you to know that WineWordOfTheDay.com is currently available for purchase. Um, not by the end of this conversation. We will, <laughs> we will make sure to own that in uh, the next uh, 30 minutes. Exactly. And so what I, my recommendation is to take WineWordOfTheDay.com Simply go into your domain administrative platform or whatever, uh, and then go in and just do a simple forward so it forwards right to that that subcategory on your site. 
yeah, great idea. Should have done it years ago. And and the cool thing is, of course, when when honestly, I know that you know winery sellers. I'm thinking, okay, sure, C E L L A R S, right? But right. for some reason, I'm not. I, obviously, if I were maybe into wine and I was really interested in your podcast, I would be able to do that. But when you say Moonstone Cellars, I'm like S E L L E R S. Well, obviously, they're wine. They're selling wine, so it'd be Moonstone <laughs> Cellars. Right. And so it, for for me, it, if, if it were, it's winewordofthedaycom And then it's like, oh, I can type that in. And then boom, it still takes me right to Moonstone Cellars, which I think is beautiful. I love the concept of having um, a, a podcast that exists on the same website as the as the business website and uh, where, you know, driving traffic to your podcast also drives traffic to your business. Yeah, we have a couple of things in there. Uh, I, I think if you just go to our homepage and you click on fun stuff, uh, you'll find all kinds of things that are sort of podcast-esque. I mean, we have a contest every Monday for Moonstones Music Mondays. So we, uh, we have a uh, contest where you need to guess the wine-related song that we're thinking of that week. And it's really more of a blog than a, than a podcast, but we give away Amazon gift cards for songs that have uh, that mention wine. And then we have, uh, oh, we have something, uh, we have Wine News. That's, a, that's another podcast I would like to, uh, uh, to develop. And that would be probably two or three times a week, which is fairly ambitious. But when news happens, it happens. And then uh, we also do a, uh, we're trying to do a video podcast called Ask Grape Stomper Todd. I, my, my nickname around uh, with my customers is Grape Stomper Todd. So that gives them a chance to either um, shoot video of themselves asking the question or call in on our uh, Google line. Very cool. So uh, you're, you're thinking of adding an, another podcast that'll be multiple times per week and also a video. Uh, so it sounds to me like you have lots of free time on your hands. Definitely not, especially during harvest season. I mean, <laughs> I'm working around the clock when it, when the grapes come in during uh, crush season. So we find ourselves with a little bit of gaps. I know that you're a big proponent of staying very consistent with um, how often you should publish your podcast. And even with our wine word of the day, which, you know, theoretically could be a daily podcast, uh, we're lucky if we get two or three in a week. Well, yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I really like the idea of a weekly format. Uh, anyway, and in, in, in one show a week, but obviously with a shorter format and the name Wide Word of the Day, I can see where you would want to try to to keep up with that uh, multiple times per week. So here's here's my question for you. When you started this, you said, yeah, podcast would be good for our business. But is there are were there any other motivating factors for you as far as is there a purpose or a, a, a set mission that you have for your podcast? There was, and it really is um, has to do with customer relationship and customer retention. Our business uh, or our winery tasting room is in a tourist town on the coast of California. In fact, it's uh, exactly uh, midway between Los Angeles and San Francisco. They're both 250 uh, miles in either direction. And so most of our customers come from those towns or a couple hours away from the Central Valley of California. And they may come to our town, say, once or twice a year. So I was trying to think of a way, how can I, you know, maintain, uh, you know, the relationship, the bond that we get with our customers when they come to visit us face to face, 
how can I keep that fresh and alive um, over the course of the year? So the next time they come and visit the town, they will be sure to come in and see us. Nice. And how do you promote the podcast to the people there? I mean, it, I mean, obviously, it, it, I mean, these people aren't always familiar with what podcasting is. How does how does that conversation go? How do you do this? Yeah, that's a great question. That usually gets worked into the conversation when they are tasting wine uh, in our shop. So at some point, especially if they show some sort of um, interest in learning more about wine, I mean, let's face it, some people go wine tasting because it's just fun and it's something to do with their friends. Um, But some people are really curious about wine, its history, the different varietals, um, all the different educational uh, aspects of it. And that's when I, I let folks know, it's like, hey, if you like, you know, the conversation that we're having right now, you will love Wine Word of the Day. And that's how we typically get most of our listeners. Now, have you trained other people in your winery to, to have this co- same conversation with people as well? Yeah, it's funny because I, I have, uh, oh, I would say about three different uh, staffers behind the bar. And two of them are really good at it. And one, it's just really not his thing. He really doesn't know how to explain it. He's a bit of an old school kind of a guy, uh, not much of a podcaster. So um, I got I to work on him and, and getting the message out a little bit better. What about anything other than word of mouth? Are you using kind of any kind of printed materials like a post, like a super glossy postcard that looks very uh, appealing and, and kind of captures people's attention they can take home and it falls out of some kind of brochure or something like that when they're in front of their computer. Yeah, that, that's a that's a project that we have uh, on tap right now. We 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 need to build what we call a rack card, a new uh, card that you know explains the the basics of our winery, where we're at, all that, and then um, certainly we want to put the podcast on there as well. Excellent. But 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 you know, short of that, certainly in all of our email publications, you know, the the email newsletters or. Um, we have something called a wine club where people subscribe to receive a package of wine three times a year. And those folks, you know, can, they're kind of like the premium plus members, if you will. And they receive uh, newsletters periodically. And of course, we're always touting the podcast in there. So you send, sometimes you get these people who are paying a significant amount of money to be a part of the wine club where you're sending out packages of wine. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Uh, they either sign up to receive three bottles or six bottles of our wine three times a year. All right. So, so this is the cream of our customers. Cream of your customers. So these are the best of the best. And yep. let me see here. How long is your average podcast episode? About two to three minutes. About two to three minutes. So an, a, a, a blank CD in audio format can have, what is that, 74 minutes of audio? Yeah. So imagine this idea of creating, um, getting some... get putting together how many episodes of your podcast do you have right now? Would you guess just approximately about about 126? Okay. So could you imagine maybe taking the top 30 or 40 episodes of your podcast, having those burned on as CD audio, not MP3 audio, but CD audio creating like a little intro that would open up the first track of the CD and then having all these episodes back to back and then you have one audio CD and then you can send it off to duplicators probably cost you about maybe 50 cents to somewhere between $1.50 per CD have a nice label designed uh, that looks classy and then get yourself some inexpensive CD sleeves and then stick in each of those packages this free audio CD. 
I think it's a great idea. I, I really do. Because it's one of those things where, you know, we try to tell a lot of people about the podcast, but by the time they get home to San Francisco or wherever, you know, it, it may have completely slipped their mind. So if they got a CD, they can't help but maybe to put it in the car on their way home and then uh, maybe hook them right then and there. Well, that th- there. so yeah, you actually, I didn't even think about that when you said the 250 miles either way. Um, yeah. So you got 250 miles drive home so you obviously have the people who have the CD on the car, but then also you're you're shipping out that physical product anyway. It's not going to cost you anything extra to to just you know t- tape onto the side of the box, you know, inside that extra CD as well. So exactly right. It's a good idea because I would say about once a year we send out a uh, a little gift um, to our wine club members, and and this would be ideal. It's a fantastic idea, Cliff. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I'm always trying to think of ways, some creative ways to get those. Cause you said <laughs> your, 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 your intended idea for this was to, to take the existing, you know, in-person clients, customers, if you will, um, and, and turn them into subscribers so that they'll stay, they'll remain connected to you and your brand. And, That's exactly uh, right. One of the big things that I have in my mind is, if your intended audience is the same, is it possible to, instead of launching a second show, include the new stuff into an existing show? So rather than giving people two or three different things to subscribe to, why not, if, if, if the intended audience is exactly identically the same between the three different shows, why not give them one show and and feed it all out into that, to that same audience? And that way you don't kind of... Um, fragment your audience between different shows you know somebody's yeah, I, somebody subscribed to the video which only they only get like once every month and a half somebody gets the audio which comes out you know once every other week um very you know whereas if it was all three together it's like wow there's consistently something flowing from these people and i really love this this brand yeah i could see where it would be kind of like a you know, a three act show, you know, you've got your wine word of the day, you've got your wine news, and then you've got your ask grape stomper Todd. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, it's, uh, you know, my mind starts to boggle a little bit in terms of, oh my gosh, we got to produce all of this, you know, and, you know, at least weekly or whatever, because each one of these shows, you know, of course takes a little bit of time to put together as you're well aware. But uh, I think it is brilliant. We would have a very unique show. And then I think we could um, engage the listeners, um, you know, on a, on a much deeper level if we did that. I, I Exactly the format that you just gave, it's, it sounds great. What You know, we're going to start off with the wine word of the day and then, you know, now we're going to move into some news and then mm-hmm. we're going to end this with, you know, ask Todd, you know, group stomp for Todd a question. That, that seems to me like a perfect format for a once a week podcast, which actually drops down your production. Yeah, it would. Because when, when, when you're trying to do something daily, you feel the little uh, tap of the shoulder of pressure almost constantly. It's like, I should be working on a wine word of the day. But this would be more of a kind of a variety show, if you will. And I think we would get a lot more engagement. I think it's an awesome idea. And I could, uh, you're right, I, I could consolidate things and quit spreading everybody out so bad. And the other thing that to, as far as engagement, like, for example, you mentioned some people, you got probably some people you see over and over again and. And uh, one of the things that I, I've learned through a book called um, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it's Dale Carnegie. I'm sure you've heard of the book. I've sure. read it a couple times. And, and that is how much people love to hear their name. 
And uh-huh. so using people's names, like for example, when when uh, you know John Anderson came in the other day, he was in the tasting room and 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 just tell a little story, you know, just saying, hey, just was great to see John in 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 the in the tasting room again. And it, man, you start sharing people's names in a podcast, and all of a sudden, if those people catch wind, especially if you were to just shoot them an email and say, hey, just want to let you know we mentioned you that conversation or even in the tasting room say hey do you mind if i tell somebody about that you know do you mind if i share your comments with my audience on my online radio show or podcast or and and then you watch them perk up it's like oh you want to talk about me on your show this is great and then all of a sudden they're telling their their friends to listen and yeah so that that's that's something you could uh, consider as well cliff that's brilliant because we we do have um Oh my gosh, we have lots of events about every other month or so. We have winemaker dinners or we do, you know, harbor cruises and wine appetizer parties. We have theme parties around Halloween and harvest and all of that. And a lot of these people do get to know one another from these events and they start to um, uh, become friends and they start to even follow each other on Facebook, I've noticed. So with that, Cliff, I think it's a brilliant idea. I, I really think that that would pull in a lot more listenership. And one other thought off the top of my head is not just mentioning their names, but imagine if their own voices were somehow included somewhere, some way. Uh, This is one of the reasons why I love doing audio feedback and letting people have a voicemail phone number they can call in and ask questions, you know, try to limit it to, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes um, or even shorter if possible. And then say, hey, you know, here, you know, Todd called in and play your question. Boom, I answer it. So that's an idea there. But also, if you're at these live events and these people are out there, uh, one of the benefits that you have of of your local clientele that are in face-to-face comfort, uh, communication with you is you may have some of these people that you've come to know well enough that you'd be in, they'd be interested in doing an interview with you or even just something like saying, hey, this is you know John Smith and, and you're listening to Moon Sellers Radio or you're listening to Wine Word of the Day. Uh, yeah, it's a great idea. We should get the uh, the old uh, Zoom H4N out there and and let people have a crack at it. Yeah, just just say hey, that's because that's one of the things I like to do to these go to these conferences and say hey, Leo, can you record a little bumper for me? So to say hey, this is Leo Laporte, and you're listening to the podcast Answer Man. Yeah, and they would love it. You're right; they would love to hear their voices, and 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 it it makes them a part of something bigger. Yep. So you mentioned Facebook. How vital are you noticing uh, social networking is to your business and to your brand? Uh, Facebook has been uh, really critical. That's probably where we do 95% of our uh, social media work. And, um, and I got to say, we, we've, we use, um, what is it, uh, RSS Graffiti. Mm-hmm. And um, before we, well, if we forget to use it somehow or whatever, our settings aren't right, um, Without question, I would say our listenership drops to about half. So clearly, um, many people are consuming the podcast through Facebook and through the play button on Facebook. That's that's a dramatic, noticeable thing. That's nice. I, I'm looking at your your Facebook page here, facebook.com slash Moonstone Sellers, uh-huh. noticing you know 2,100 people on on there. That that's a significant number of. Uh, Facebook fans, especially since you're a local brand, very geographically based and everything. 
Yeah. Now we, we were able to kind of salt the uh, fan base a little bit. There was a, a time there when we were offering free wine tasting if you liked us on Facebook. And it's amazing how many, uh, how many, how many fans you can pick up doing that. But what's neat is I haven't seen a drop off and I have seen numbers go up on the podcast during that time. So in a way, it cost us a little bit in wine at the time, but I have not seen, um, you know, apparently they liked the wine, they liked us. So it, it all worked out. It wasn't one of those deals where we offered something and people just quickly liked and then got out. So I think the retention really worked and I'm tempted to go back to it. Nice. I like that. Um, by the way, this is the first time I've ever really heard somebody, you know, share that, you know, that, that, the Facebook audience being a, a primary source of listens to a podcast, which for, for a, a, again, a geographically located business such as yours and your primary target audience being your existing customers and, and building and retaining them, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I love the idea that the fact that you're using RSS graffiti, I know there was a about a week and a half to two weeks, maybe it might have even been three weeks that it did not work. Uh, they, they had some changes at Facebook and they had to actually reprogram around it. Yeah, and I think it was during that time when we were seeing uh, drop-offs and we were like, what's going on here? And, uh, and it turned out it just wasn't getting out onto the feed. And it was then when I realized just how many people were consuming it through Facebook. You had mentioned the Zoom H4n recorder. What other kind of equipment are you using? Well, I've got the uh, Mackie um, 1402, which uh, it's pretty new for me. So I'm still figuring it out. But oh my gosh, I just have so much fun with it. I've, I've got everything, you know, in my office tied into it. So I, I never flip a volume on a computer again. I, I just, you know, put up a slider whenever I want to, yeah. to do anything. And then I've got the uh, compressor limiter gate, the Behringer Multicom um, 4600, which, and, you know, and, and I don't think I would know how to use it if I did not, uh, if I had not watched your video on that, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. And now it's kind of a, almost a set it and forget it kind of a, kind of a device. Um, I really like it. I think it sounds great. Um, of course, the Heil PR40 and the boom arm, which sounds amazing. And uh, for software, I use, uh, believe it or not, Audacity. Uh, once, you know, after 126 episodes or whatever, to me, it's just like, you know, second nature. Now, you are recording into the software on your computer or are you recording into the recorder and then transferring and editing in Audacity? Yeah, definitely into the recorder first. Okay. I, I, I know the, uh, <laughs> I know all about that. No, I, just, I've, I was I've just lost, wondering. I've lost, <laughs> I've, I've crashed enough computers to know that you always want to go into the digital recorder. Uh, obviously, with that many podcast episodes, you've put a lot of work into this. Do you feel like it's all been worth it for your business? I do. I really do. I think we really have. Um, I, I'll just. Like I said before, when people come in, not even to buy anything and just say, hey, you know, we're looking forward to another podcast, you know, and, and they are very good customers. It's not that they you know, don't buy anything. But when you see your customers um, like begging you for more podcasts, you know, you're doing something right. So you are keeping them engaged. You are keeping them close to you. You are giving them something that they think is valuable. And uh 
And for me, it's just a lot of fun. My, my whole, I got into this business because I think it's fun, it's creative, and uh, it puts smiles on people's faces. And if I can do that virtually through a podcast, um, it, it, it really does kind of maximize my mission. Awesome. Well, Todd, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your story and your podcast with us here on the, uh, on the Podcast Answer Man show. Can, where can people find you on the web uh, to check out your podcast? Well, I think um, by the time they hear this, I think they should go to winewertheday.com. All right, Todd, thank you so much, my friend. <laughs> hey, thank you, Cliff. And I really do appreciate all the work that you've put into your podcast and how much you've shared with all of us. It has really made a difference and uh, keep it up. Well, there you go, my friends. That is my interview with Todd and uh, lots of valuable information in there. I think especially gives you a little insight into, it gives me a lot of insight into how somebody who has a business that pretty much depends mostly on people within a geographic area and how you can communicate that you have an audio podcast to maybe some non-technical people so that you can and I loved his mission. That's what I love. Customer relations and customer retention. That's why he created the show. And it seems like it's doing that for him. Also love the idea and ha- I'm glad we had the conversation about the fact that, um, you know, you have uh, this idea. You want to create more shows. You want to add new shows. And I don't know, maybe he will end up doing more shows. But if the intended target audience is exactly the same, why not just create multiple different segments of a same one show? I, I see this very often. In fact, I, I'm a serial podcast launcher myself, and I have to watch myself. In fact, I just, I just trimmed down my active list of shows to 10. That's right, my friends, 10. And, uh, I, you know, who knows? I might even prune it down further moving forward in 2012 and 2013. I really love the idea of taking your time, energy, effort, and putting it all, putting all you have into the show or shows that you have and not spreading yourself too thin. It's one of the things that I've learned over my, five, or over my six years in podcasting now. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Todd, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, folks, if... If you want, uh, like I said, head over to podcastanswerman.com over on the resources tab. If you're looking to set up that hosting account, Bluehost is the way that I would recommend folks go, especially if you're just getting started. I'm going to head out of here again. Merry Christmas. And until next time, I encourage you to join the community. Join the community.